Hey. hey. How you doing? All right. How are you? Doing good. I forgot to plug in my mic again. How are you hearing me audio-wise? Should I get the mic or you think it's okay? Headset mic. Okay. Okay. Well, it's been a while. How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. What's no. cooking? Just working hard. How yeah. you doing? Me too. It's just, you know, it's that time of the year. It's just, it's a time of the year where you're inside pretty much and you might as well just work and bear down, right? Right. Yeah, so ripping just a lot of hours a lot of productive hours so we'll get through it and i mean look i mean the pandemic's sort of easing up that'll be one of our uh, little news notes here but hopefully you know things are i've said this many times on your program <laughs> hopefully so what else are you doing besides working anything not much just work pretty much and this program which yeah. is work and fun all at the same time. That's that's why you want to make it a career, you know. Hopefully, you'll never work a day in your life. I can't believe I've been doing it so long, but uh, I still love doing it. I really do. I mean, you know, I gave you that speech when we were at Connecticut School Broadcasting. Always, I'm consistent, if nothing else. So. But let's see, my gosh, the news, holy crow. Go spin the wheel, my friend. What 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 story you want? We can pretty much talk about anything. There's so many big stories. Got anything in particular? Well, very big topic is the Ukraine right now, right? Crazy. So what, I mean, I can tell you a lot about it. You know, certainly I'm reading everything I can because that's my job. You know, you never know when I'm gonna have to present news in one way or another and be pretty conversant on the topic with very little time to prep. So the easier way to do it is certainly to uh, read up as much as you can. But even before I get to Russia, or let's just say this, the first thing with Russia and Ukraine is that President Biden was thinking he was going to be talking about taming inflation and the economy and hopefully being, you know, in the tail of COVID in his State of the Union speech, which literally is happening right now. So, you know, you're competing for viewers with the president. <laughs> um, I don't know, since, you know, you got you and me together, holy crow, we, we might we might win the ratings battle. So anyway, <laughs> um, you know, um, he was thinking he was going to be talking about all those kinds of things. But of course, now he's talking about uh, the conflict in Russia and Ukraine. The biggest news that's come out recently, one of the cool things about having this phone right here, this is an NBC standard issue phone, and I have it you know, programmed where I get all the updates from the network, what's called the hot file. And yeah. so I see things literally as they're coming over um, well before they're delivered on the news. So if you're a news junkie like me, it's sort of cool. Um, sometimes it's not cool because you hear sad stories before anyone hears them. Um, but on this one, I guess the biggest news, the freshest news, is that I guess the president will be announcing in his State of the Union, which just started, that uh, the United States airspace will be closed to all Russian aircraft. Um, oh. And I, generally, that I think means commercial. You know, Aeroflot, I think, was the name of the airline. I don't know if that's, you know, a dated airline. You know how the airlines change names in our country, so I'm sure they do in theirs. Um, 
The problem is, you know, anytime you start talking about airspace, things get a little touchy. So have you heard about all the stuff that goes on up uh, in Alaska in the Arctic Circle? I think I've seen a little bit, a clip of it. Yeah, yeah. You get the, you're, you've got Russia and the United States pretty much bordering each other. And there are always claims that one is going in the other's airspace, either the U.S. or the Russians. Certainly in our country, we're going to hear about uh, the Russian aggression. That's not to say that we don't do ours. I'm sure we do. And of course, they're claiming that NATO or Ukraine and NATO, that's all American aggression. I'm not sure I believe that, but you really don't care what I believe. You want the news here. So um, the Russian aircraft, I've certainly seen some of the clips on social media where they're buzzing the American planes or they're going right near their airspace. And the problem is, as soon as you, you know, as soon as you get a situation where tensions are heightened, and you start getting boundaries put on things that normally don't have them. So, for example, we got this thing now where supposedly President Biden is saying that uh, U.S. airspace will be closed to Russia. So now there's the possibility they might cross it, and if they cross it, what happens? Um, you know, you have. Uh, certain EU countries, European Union, uh, European Union countries. That's don't say that ten times fast. European Union countries are saying they're going to send arms to Ukraine. Then the question is, Rome, how do you get them there? Right. Going to take them by plane? They might shoot your plane down. Going to take them by boat? They're going to blockade you unless maybe you fire weapons at the boat unless they fire weapons at your boat first you're going to take it by land okay maybe you take it through poland i don't know you take it through one of the other countries bordering ukraine and then what happens if you run into russians what happens if they chase you back into poland you know there's what happens if shots are fired between nato forces and russian forces is, is that you know what i'm saying there's it's never clean it's war or it's not war yet it, it's a conflict you could call it a war i guess nbc we are not this is at this point it's a conflict um or at least nbc connecticut let's just leave it at that stay local so there's so much here um i could go on and on and on um but the latest is the airspace situation um you got to be so careful with this one. I mean, you're talking about master propagandists, not just with the Russians, not just with the Ukrainians, but also with the Americans. And so you certainly were trying to put a message out there to the rest of the world. Um, I will say that no matter what you think of President Biden, I think it is pretty, I, I think it's not arguable that by him pretty much telegraphing everything that Russia was going to do over the last month. He's pretty much said, you know, here's the intelligence we can be transparent about. Um, I, I think that did several things. You know, certainly his opponents will say that it was a self-perpetuating prophecy. By saying this was going to happen, it made it happen. And instead, he should have immediately done sanctions you know i'm not an expert on this kind of stuff um but 
you know, I just don't know diplomacy. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's not. But the other thing it did, and I think this is the biggest thing, is that, you know, maybe by now, have you heard about Chechnya? Do you know what Chechnya is? No. Okay, if you don't. You heard about Georgia? Yeah. Like in, you know, the Eastern Asia or Eastern Europe. You've heard about Crimea, certainly by now, and Donetsk and Luhansk and all the incursions and takeovers that Putin did. And then, of course, Syria, but that was slightly different. But you've heard about all these things, but you didn't hear about Chechnya, which was one of the most bloody ones. Um, in terms of there were rebels and, you know, there were people that, I mean, he was just scorched earth there in some cases. Um, you didn't hear about Chechnya that much, unless, you know, you were listening to a lot of international news, you're a news junkie like me. Um, and, and you really didn't hear that much about Georgia. You didn't hear that much about, you know, Luhansk and Donetsk or, you heard a little bit about Crimea. I frankly remember that and I remember well I remember all of them but I mean I remember in particular about Crimea that I was surprised that people didn't react more strongly to that I thought that was just such an abrogation of another country's sovereignty and I understand there may have been historical claims but you just you just you don't go roll in and take it over um and I'll get to the other point in a minute that is i think of concern just if and when this ukraine situation slows down or comes to some resolution or he takes over the country but i i think the big thing with president biden saying here's what he's going to do and this isn't really a partisan comment i don't think it is but it telegraphed to the world what was going on there is not one country in the world that doesn't know what's going on over there and not through the same propagandist filters that you're getting from Ukraine, that you're getting from Russia. Certainly there's an American one. Propaganda, absolutely. Opinion by the you know federal government. We know that. But I think that's why you're seeing all these protests and we're hearing, and again, you can't say that it's true, but supposedly the troops, the Russian troops in Crimea are refusing to go into Ukraine. They're ashamed and embarrassed about what they're being told to do. And there are other instances of this. And again, don't know if it's true. You know, there's, there's a lot of stuff going on on both sides, but I think that there probably are a lot of Russians around the world and the ones going in and trying to take over this country that are ashamed or embarrassed. I mean, you know, I, I heard one analogy of what Ukraine is to Russia and, and uh, analogy with America. It would be somebody said, again, it was a, a Putin um, sympathizer, but this person said it would be like New England being taken away from America. It's like, it's a part of, now, Again, that's the Putin camp. That's that, and you have to be sensitive to a degree to how they feel. That doesn't give you the justification to go roll into a country and kill people, including children. No, it doesn't. Um, 
I think the bigger concern and, you know, reporters, we always tend to look forward and ahead of these things. Uh, unfortunately, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to end. But if he does, he, if Russia takes over and successfully takes over Ukraine and makes it a puppet republic, um, everybody's saying, well, what are they going to do next? I, I don't. Well, I, everything I'm hearing is there's this one piece of Russia that is on, I believe it's the North Sea or the Baltic Sea, I can't remember which, that is not contiguous with Russia. There's like Poland and I think it's Lithuania that are between it, you know, because Poland and Lithuania or Lithuania used to be in the Soviet Union and then when they broke it up, whatever. So now... Russia can't get to that part of its country except by air or by sea. Can't do it by land. And there are concerns, I've been reading a bunch of them, that the next thing he's going to do is try to create a land bridge, you know, basically take over a strip of land so he can get there. Oh, wow. um, and that, at that point, you're going into NATO territory. So I don't know how he justifies that, but... He's justifying everything right now in his head. Uh, and I'll leave you with this. That's the one thing that has been of concern. You know, over the weekend, he said that he was putting his nuclear strike team on high alert, claiming, saying that the sanctions imposed by the Western countries were very severe and aggressive and he said that there were aggressive statements about his country coming from uh, Western countries. And that justified him putting the military or this nuclear strike team on high alert. NATO, I know, respondents, we're a defensive force. We're not aggressive. We're, we're just saying we're going to protect what we have. And it's going to be this back and forth forever. Um, I just, I think everybody just hopes that somehow cooler heads prevail. So right. I could go on and on and on. Did that pretty much hit what you were wondering about tonight or was there other stuff on Ukraine? Yeah, that was pretty much it. Okay, good. So um, I'll give you some good news. COVID, things are moving in the right direction. Um, I'll give you the bad part first. I've been yeah. reading a, a few stories that are saying that, yeah, Things are getting better and just in time for spring. Yippee, yay, yay. 20 days, brother. Um, but the truth is, pandemics historically last about three to five years. Wow. Most of the time, lessening and severity, lessening and susceptibility because you have that whole herd immunity thing to some degree or another. But um, come fall, winter we could have other variants that cause problems but everything i'm reading is saying they would be hot spots so maybe it would be daytona beach or maybe it would be waterloo iowa or stonington connecticut i don't know um but we are seeing some very positive signs uh if you know you want more freedom here um and who doesn't um in terms of mask rules and restrictions going away. Um, in some schools, they're optional. In some schools, they're demanding that they still have flexibility to reinstate 
those mandates if things do get worse. And that's why, because we may not be out of the pandemic. I'd love to say that we are, but I just don't think that's journalistically responsible from what I'm seeing all the scientists. And I frankly am seeing some media saying that the pandemic's over or it's effectively over. And I, I just, I'm not comfortable saying that yet. So. Yeah, not yet. That said, I'm thinking of going back to my trivia team at uh, the 99 pretty soon. Not yeah. this week, because Miss B's got a soccer game. I think I had to miss one of these because Miss B had a soccer game. That's right. She won the championship. Her team did that night. What do you want? Yeah, they did. They did. It's cool. She's um, still in college, but she is playing on a team that one of my former teammates is the captain of. And he's always, he's known her since she was like uh, just a wee kid, about six years old. And, you know, even then she was quite a comer when it came to soccer. And so he's just been watching his, her progress over the years. And literally as soon as she hit about 16, 17, he started asking me if she could play in games. And, you know, she played a few with him here and there, but she was still a little kid really. Um, but now she's played in college and her college career's over and she's enjoying playing with adult teams. And so, my wife and I love to go watch her play. It's up at, I think it's called All Sports Soccer Arena in Northampton. So it's a bit of drive, but you know, I'm not teaching anymore. So things are slowing down at least enough that I can go to our daughter's game. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's why I missed that week. I think we went off topic here. We're talking about COVID and other stuff, but uh, it'll be nice for them on those teams because they're running in there with masks on and that is not fun. Um, I just know from, you know, I've been doing that physical therapy with the ACL surgery and uh, just wearing a KN95 when you're trying to do that's pretty tough. So I think everybody's excited to have the masks go away. Um, there certainly are still some disputes you're seeing in towns where a lot of people, the anti-mask people are saying no masks at all under any circumstances at any time. Um, and then the other side is, no, we can't do that because things can get worse again. And you know, like everything, it's probably somewhere in the middle, right? Right. Life is. So the good news, I'll finish on COVID, is 2.5% positivity today. I think it was the second day in a row. It was in that range, so that's good. Um, and I'm gonna end with some happy news and then two quick plugs if I can. Okay. For NBC Connecticut. Um, first, the other big story. Did you? Well, tell me this. What is your favorite supermarket? Where do you go shop? I like Stop and Shop. Mm -hmm. Me too. That's where I go. Um, have you heard of Wegmans? No, I haven't heard of that. It is arguably by a number of different, you know, retail magazines that track this kind of stuff is arguably the best supermarket chain in the United States. I believe they're based out of Rochester. I think their roots are in um, Western New York. Just, you know, great reputation for great customer service, great products, great um, in-house brands, uh, really treat their employees really well. And so they're a very well-liked chain. Like you've probably heard of Publix in Florida. That's one that's very popular down there. 
Um, another one uh, where I used to live in uh, Virginia and Carolina is called Harris Teeter. <laughs> they got a funny name, but they're very good too. A little, they're a little pricey, but they're good. And then there's Wegmans, and I think that they're pretty much sort of like stop and shop prices, basically the same. But they announced their first Connecticut store. Uh, they're going to locate one in Norwalk. Really doesn't help you and me, but um, you know something to watch because you know Stu Leonard's was in Norwalk forever, which is interesting if those two are going to compete because they're an institution. But Stu Leonard's, of course, moved up to Newington, and I, are they in Orange? I, I know they were trying to get to Orange for the longest time. I, I know there was a fight. I don't remember. Not sure. Yeah. So big news for some people maybe our friends uh watching tonight from new haven county might be interested in that you can drop down to norwalk and probably a year and go to Wegmans. so that's all the big news uh two quick plugs tonight at 11 on nbc connecticut nbc connecticut my colleague the fabulous kyle jones she is our new haven bureau chief and she's doing New Haven News every day and she's still doing investigations. I was a bureau chief for a while um, and for three years and I did investigations and it's hard. When you're in a bureau and basically 20 miles in any direction is your responsibility every day and you're trying on the side and you're on TV two, three times a day and you're trying to do stuff on the side for an investigative piece. So anyway, Miss Kyle Jones and her fabulous photographer, Trevor Shear, have been working on this piece about a fire hydrant problem in the Elm City in New Haven, where about nine months ago, the union actually uh, for the firefighters held a news conference talking about how I'm trying to remember the number, but I believe it was well over 100, maybe even did several hundred malfun or uh, non-working fire hydrants in the city and I don't want to give away too much but I'll tell you that NBC Connecticut investigates found a woman who's had a fire hydrant in front of her home that she claimed had not been working for months or I think possibly even years oh, wow. uh, yeah no good because you know taxes are high in cities you, you want services so that's coming up tonight at 11 on NBC Connecticut okay and I'll end with this. Um, I have a story coming up tomorrow night at 11 on NBC Connecticut, 11 o'clock, 11 o'clock, NBC Connecticut investigates. We're doing a story about catalytic converters and all these steps. Hopefully you haven't been a victim, Rome, have you? No, I haven't. You know somebody who has been? Um, no. Wow, okay. You know about all this whole catalytic converter thing, right? <laughs> So it's a, I mean, you want to use a cuss word, but I won't, but it's a, it's a mess and it's really sad. You know, you, people who are just living their lives, living paycheck to paycheck and someone goes and steals their catalytic converter. It can cost up to $1,500 to replace it. You really can't drive it if you don't have it. You know, you can't drive a vehicle if you don't have a catalytic converter. It's just, it sounds like you're at a dirt track, you know, drag racing. It's crazy. Right. Um, you, even if you got the money to replace it, you may not be able to get the part. Supply chain, hey. <laughs> so just, just bad all the way around. And, you know, 
the places they target are on many cases like charities because they love going to places where the trucks are one after another after another and they go after trucks because they have more um uh of those platinum group metals in them that's in the catalytic converter that's so valuable some of those metals go for thirty thousand dollars an ounce well, i mean there's not thirty thousand bucks worth in a catalytic converter but you know they grind it up and resell so anywho so this has been a huge issue for about two years now as the cost of these platinum group metals uh, in particular, rhodium skyrocketed last August to $30,000 per ounce. So we're doing a story looking at what kinds of solutions are people coming up with. And there are some that are working. And that is what we'll have tomorrow night at 11. So tell all your viewers, tonight at 11, I mean, every night at 11 you should be watching us. But we got two really good stories on tonight, my buddy Kyle Jones, she crushes it, she's great. New Haven Bureau, 11 o'clock tonight, and then NBC Connecticut Investigates will be on again Friday night, or excuse me, I'm sorry, Wednesday night, tomorrow, or tomorrow night, with our story about catalytic converter theft and what's being done, and you should watch. Okay, I'm gonna watch it. Okay, please do. Okay. All right now I'm gonna hop on off. Still got chores to do day is not over and great seeing you and uh missed seeing you the last few weeks and hopefully we'll see you next tuesday absolutely see you next tuesday all right you be well my friend take care Rome. all right you